Welcome to the podcast. I am Rick Thomas, and you're listening to Your Daily Drive. Today, I want to talk about how our good desires, the things that are biblically good, can trip us up, can tempt us to sin when we don't get those things. I think sometimes we can guard against the things that we know will trip us up, but sometimes when it falls within the realm of good things, good desires, the way things ought to be, we might not be as guarded, and when those things do not come to pass, we could respond in an improper way. Well, I want to talk about that in light of trying to help someone, motivate someone to change. Wanting someone to change is a good desire. I hope that you have a long list of people that you want to encourage, motivate to change. Of course, I hope the person at the top of that list is yourself. I'm at the top of my list. I want to change. But when it comes to other people besides yourself, I hope the list is long and you're trying to help them to change. But what if that person does not change? Maybe it's a spouse that you have. It could be a, a child That's a common temptation, a good desire for your child to change, and he or she does not change. Are you tempted to sin? Well, the title of this podcast is The Danger of Trying to Make Someone Change. Good desires for a relationship can cause us more problems than other temptations. We can want something so much that even manipulating the other person to give it to us by sinning against them is easy to do. I know this to be true. I'm a professional, meaning I'm a professional in the sense that I've tried many times to help a person to see the light and, and all of my help and all of my trying it. Well, they didn't see the light, and they didn't change, and I responded poorly to them. If you want to read this podcast, you can go on our website, rickthomas.net. The title is the same, The Danger of Trying to Make Someone Change. I am doing a series of articles that are going to be chapters to a future book called Dangerous Things. I want to—it's really an eclectic-type book. In that each chapter can stand alone. I've already finished the chapter on the danger of asking Jesus into your heart. The danger of trying to please God. The danger of forgiving yourself. Those are three chapters. And here's number four. The danger of trying to make someone change. These are all gray areas. And Christians stand on both sides of these things. And in one sense, they're not all bad as far as what is trying to happen. For example, the danger of trying to forgive yourself. We want to be forgiven. That's a good desire. But sometimes some there are people who believe that they need to forgive themselves, and that is heretical. But many Christians don't know these things. And, well, I wanted to write several chapters in a book called Dangerous Things, and I, I hope the book will be a benefit to you. It will be out in 2018, and I'll let you know all about it. But this one here, there's somebody in your life you want to see change, and it's not happening, and you may have sinned in the process of trying to get them to do it. 
I want to use a case study in this podcast, Biff and Mabel, my characters here at rickthomas.net. Biff is a passive husband. Now, there are many reasons for this, and none of those reasons are really necessary to delve into at this time. That would be a whole nother case study. I would say this, though, that the passive husband is one of the more common marriage problems. And so I picked passive husband because it is so common. Men can be, a lot of men can be passive in areas where they should not be passive. But the bottom line, and I'm not going to get into all that with Biff and his passivity, but the bottom line for him is that he is a passive man. Now, I am not justifying his passivity. I'm merely revealing his long his long-standing sin pattern. What I want to talk about though is is his wife. His wife is married to the passive man and and she has two choices. Uh, try to to motivate him to change in redemptive means or in non-redemptive. And Mabel is probably like you. I know she's like me. I have failed so many times in trying to motivate, especially those people that I love. The people that you love the most, they are the ones that you want to see change the most. And, of course, they will be the ones that you are most likely likely to sin against the most. And so Mabel, she's not like Biff at all. She is anything but passive. She is bright. She's direct. She knows what she wants, and she takes the initiative. She used to like Biff. She does not like him any longer. Biff's slow and methodical nature was different from what Mabel was used to, and she fell in love with him because he was so laid back. She liked what she saw. The opposites can attract. He was irresistible, and, and I think that opposites should attract. I think in marriage is such a beautiful thing when, when both people within the marriage are so different because they bring their uniqueness and their differences to the marriage, which can make the marriage so much better than either one of them by being single. The problem, of course, is sin. Sin gets in there in the early days, weeks, months, and years of marriage, and they don't, they don't have a sin plan, and they don't know how to work through their differences so that they can really benefit from their differences. Biff was irresistible, and he was so much unlike Mabel, tall, dark, handsome, and different. It was a match made in heaven. She married him. It is ironic how some of the things we like in a person are so adorable until we bring them on to live with us. What we like on dates and what we have to live with in a 24-7 context, they really are two different things. Biff's slow and charming ways wore off Oh, sometimes shortly after the honeymoon. Dates can be, dating can be irresponsible fun with no deadlines to meet. That's what I mean by irresponsible fun. I don't mean that in a sinful way, but there's no deadlines to meet. There are no bills to pay. 
Being married is more like two people grunting it out in the grind of demanding schedules, imperfect children, and personal preferences. The thing Mabel previously loved about Biff is biting her in the rear end now. He was not he has not moved from his live and let live easy come easy go lifestyle and it's getting in the way of Mabel's busy get up and go there is life happening and you are not moving your blooming arse way of thinking that she has. That is a quote from My Fair Lady, where Eliza Doolittle was talking about the horse. Dover, move your blooming arse. Well, Biff is not moving his, and Mabel is frustrated. Now, she would like to spend her life in Margaritaville. Thinking again of Jimmy Buffett here and his classic song from the 70s. But that's not reality for her. When they came to counseling, she said his laissez-faire attitude infuriates her, and she would like to give him a swift kick in the pants. Now, just note to self, that is not the way to motivate someone to change in a long-term sustainable way. You may get them to change for a day or week, but that's not going to work long-term. To state it more accurately, she's been yelling at him to change. That's been her methodology. I noticed as she continued to talk how as she continued to talk, she was becoming more exasperated just thinking about him. It reminds me from a line from uh, the Lucy uh, Charlie Brown comic strip when I think it was Charlie. One of them said, "I feel a criticism coming on." When Mabel thinks about Biff, she feels a criticism coming on. I let her speak, assuming she would run out of steam eventually. She did. And when she did, she asked, quote, I'm not like him at all. Why can't he change? Her question was interesting. And it had several layers that I wanted to explore with her. Mabel was not thinking through what she was asking. She wanted Biff to change. And as I said earlier, Biff needs to change. There's no question about that. That's not arguable. I don't think anybody reasonably can debate the fact Biff needs to change. He needs to be in line with the gospel. And the gospel, there are many things about the gospel, but one of those things is the gospel is proactive. It's intentional. The gospel is moving and and doing things, and Biff is not. But her desired kind of change was questionable, and her methodology for change, well, it was sinful. Besides her questionable goal and sinful methodology, what I hope Mabel would see was how both of them are fundamentally, both Biff and Mabel are fundamentally the same kind of people. Biff and Mabel are two peas in a pod as far as what controls their hearts. Now, I want to develop this. Again, this is a case study about two people, a married couple that are struggling, and they are so radically different from each other, but I am saying that they are two peas in a pod as far as what controls their hearts. The shaping influences that had shaped personalities shaped their personalities. It caused them to behave differently. And so they were shaped differently. 
And they came out on the other end differently. But the more you peel the onion back on their lives, the more you saw their similarity. This kind of understanding would be key for Mabel to grasp if she was going to be an agent of change in Biff's life. She had to dial back her angry, self-righteous judgments of her husband so she could speak redemptively in his life. There's a two-step process there. you got to dial back the frustration you have toward the individual, which will qualify you to speak redemptively in that person's life. If you don't dial back your sin, you will not speak redemptively in anybody's life that you're sinning against. You'll not be able to help anyone if you do not see yourself as the same as everyone, sinners in need of God's transformative gospel. You, me, Biff, Mabel, well, we're all four peas in a pod. It is somewhat ironic and sad when one person acts as though they are better than someone else. Philippians 3.12 says it this way. Paul's talking. He said, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus was made me, has made me his own. Paul had not already obtained at that point in his life. Some of the questions I hope to pose to Mabel were, there's three of them I want to share with you. One, is it wise to think or say another person should be according to your preferences? Is that wise? That I don't, We're talking about preferences here, secondary issues. Is it wise to think or say another person should be according to your preferences? Number two, are you and your ideas the standard that you want others to emulate? Number three, have you reached the high mark of Christ-likeness? Whenever we look down on another person as though we have arrived and they have not, we become unhooked from the moorings of sound theology. In such situations, the cross of Christ becomes diminutive and our way becomes amplified. Paul attempted to level our thinking about how we viewed others when he said in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, listen to this, it's so good, Paul talking, for who sees anything different in you? What do you have that you did not receive? If then you received it, why do you boast as if you did not receive it? Paul Paul understood things, and he had a great way of framing things that really just punctured our hearts in a good way. Whatever Mabel has gained, all those good qualities that I was talking about earlier, the things that have helped her to break from sinful Adamic tendencies, they came to her because of the grace of God. If she is acting less like Adam and more like Christ, it's only because of God's grace, not because she is better than Biff. Which is it's why I said earlier that we're, we're four peas in a pod. We all came from Adam, and anything good about us is because of grace. Mabel's sameness to Biff is it's more layered than just two people standing in need of God's grace. Let's go a little further than that. They're also the same in their core sin patterns. The same sin that has captured Biff's heart has also captured Mabel's heart. 
The reason Biff is passive is that he is afraid. Biff does not want to fail. He does not want to experience rejection. Biff does not want to receive critique. Biff is a fearful person. If Mabel repented of her anger and began to see Biff for who he was, she would not only see this, and I admit it's easier to see as a third party who has no real vested interest or experience with this person. The person has never disappointed me. You know, sometimes you can be counseling somebody or discipling somebody. They've never disappointed you, so you're not uploading what you're seeing with all your disappointment because there is none. Well, it's hard for Mabel to see because she's been disappointed so many times. But if she did repent of her anger, she would begin to see Bill for who he was. She would not only see this, but she would be able to speak redemptively into his life, and that would be the goal. That's what Biff needs, not Mabel's anger. Mabel's sinful anger is a manipulative tactic from a fearful heart, her heart, that is afraid of not getting what she wants. Rather than trusting God, Mabel resorts to well-honed, self-reliant ways to satisfy her craving. In her case, she becomes angry at her husband. And her anger is backfiring on her. She's trying to force Biff to change through anti-Christ-like methods. Think about that. Have you ever tried to force someone to change through anti-Christ-like methods? The more she yells, the more Biff retreats into his shell. The more Biff retreats into his shell, the louder Mabel yells. Mabel must address her fears. I want to list four of her fears. I, I just said it that she's afraid and moved on and didn't explain. She's afraid like Biff. Biff's afraid of failing, experiencing rejection, or receiving critique. I'm saying that Mabel is afraid too. Her fears are different, though. Here are four ways. She is afraid Biff will not change. She is afraid her hopeless marriage will be her life. She is afraid she will not be loved and protected by Biff. She is afraid God will not come through for her by changing Biff. These are legitimate fears. I'm not critiquing her in a negative way because she wants those things. I would want a spouse that would change. I would want a marriage that is not hopeless. I, I would want to be loved by my spouse. I, I would want God to come through by changing my spouse, and my spouse would want all of these things for me. So it's not a condemnation. These fears wrap up and tie down her heart, and that is the problem. And the only way she knows how to work through them is to become angry, which is her personality. She's a go-getter, remember? She's aggressive. She takes the bull by the horn. She's bright. She's direct. She has initiative. That's her personality. Her parents also modeled this manipulative, manipulative tactic for her. You could say it this way, Adam trained her to be angry because she's a fallen person like you and me, and she learned anger from her parents. 
It is possible for Mabel to get what she wants. She can get these good desires. It is possible for her to have a wonderful marriage. But, but before that can happen, she has to be able to see the real problems herself and prioritize them. Her main problem is her fear. She feels stuck and she is mad. She is taking her anger out on Biff, passive, lazy Biff. It's not that her desire for Biff to be all he should biblically be is wrong, but her way of responding to this problem is wrong. Now, some people will listen to this podcast or read this article, women particularly, and they will get angry and they will say, oh, Biff's problems are all his. Now, what they're doing is reading into something that I have not said or hinted at in any way, shape, or form thus far. Unfortunately, when some people read articles like this, they are so frustrated within themselves with whatever their experience has been or their current experience is, and they map their experience over what they're reading, and they fire off with some kind of anger. Don't do that. I am not saying. I, I'm going to say this in all caps. Biff's sin is not Mabel's fault. Biff's sin is not Mabel's fault. I'm not saying that. But Mabel is married to Biff, and she has a responsibility to make sure she is not sinning when someone else is. Sinful anger born out of a fearful heart is not God's way to accomplish reasonable goals. Mabel needs to repent to God and her husband. She needs to talk to God and her husband about how fear has gripped her. Now, I'm also aware that it might not be possible for Mabel to talk to Biff, depending on the kind of person that he is. But in this article and this podcast, let's say in this scenario that it is and that it's possible for her to talk to Biff. And if so, she needs to repent to him and to God because she's sinning against both of them. She needs to come to terms with the bondage that has ensnared her. She needs to ask the Lord to break her from this habit of sinning against her husband. She needs to come down to Biff's level, realizing she is ensnared by the same sin, though her sin of fear manifests differently. Rather than standing on a pedestal berating her husband for his incompetence, she needs to assume the role of a servant. Mark 10, 45, Jesus said, I didn't come here to be served. I came here to serve. No doubt, Biff is trapped in sin. I said that in all caps if you didn't catch it. And Mabel is too. Mabel is asking her husband, here's an irony here. Listen to the irony. She's asking her husband to become something she's unwilling to become herself, Christ-like. She is the proverbial pot calling the kettle black. I'm not sure how much or to what degree her husband can change, but I do know that Mabel is hindering the process. He more than likely will not change as long as she is responding in anger toward him. He might he might, by the grace of God. Her situation is what you call a, a complicating problem in counseling. Anytime you're trying to help a person change, you want to eliminate 
all the ancillary issues that hindered the change process. You could think of it this way. Imagine you are running on a track and your friend is throwing rocks at you while you are running. Now, your goal is to run well, but you have a complicating problem. Your friend is, your friend is throwing rocks at you. If you can uh, eliminate the complicating problem, you'll be able to focus on how to run well. Now, this analogy reflects well to what is going on in Biff and Mabel's marriage. Biff needs to learn how to run well. Mabel needs to stop throwing rocks at Biff. Now, you can flip this around as well. May a Biff needs to change regardless of what Mabel does. Now, I'm not justifying Mabel's sin just as I was not justifying Biff's. But depending on which tack you want to take, now in this case study, in this podcast, I'm interacting with Mabel. But if I was interacting with Biff, I would be saying the same things to him. He needs to grow up in spite of what his wife is doing. Biff is regularly distracted by Mabel's anger. There are two key things Mabel needs to do. Number one, she needs to repent of her anger. Number two, she needs to use her words to speak redemptively into Biff's Biff's life. Now, please listen. I'll say it one last time. I am not saying that Biff's sin is Mabel's fault. It's not. But Mabel is Biff's wife, and she has a responsibility twofold not to sin against him and to motivate him by grace, not meanness. I'm not saying Biff is a victim. I'm not saying that he has no responsibility in a marriage. As I said earlier, this case study is it's not about Biff, it's about Mabel. We can we can write a whole nother one that's about Biff. Basically, you could take this one and just switch the names around. As with all marriage problems, many angles need resolution. I'm only addressing one of those aspects here. Biff needs to change regardless of what Mabel does with her rocks. None of us have an excuse for not biblically pursuing Christ-likeness. Biff needs to put off his fears while learning how to put on a new kind of person which is found in Christ. Mabel could be a key component in Bill's sanctification, but it will require her to set aside what she wants at the moment for the greater good of what Biff needs. The worldview, this worldview that I'm talking about is the gospel. Christ setting aside what he enjoyed with the Father to enter our world so we could be like him. That's how you want to imitate the gospel in this marriage, setting aside what you want for the greater good. When Mabel begins to see herself as the same as Biff, she'll be able to function with more humility and grace. Now, here's the question. Whether you're male or female, husband or wife, are you like Mabel? If you are regularly impatient with someone, you may be caught in a sin. Mabel's sin, impatience, for example. Impatience is a form of anger that comes from a heart that looks down on another person. Aren't you easily tempted this way? I know I am. Isn't it easy to be impatient with people, especially those who are slow to change? The more you care and the longer you try to help someone, the more tempted you will be to sin against them. 
this problem is what is what makes our marriage and our families our marriages and our families the most challenging place to refrain from sinning against others. Those who love much will be tempted to sin much. Those who long for a better relationship with those closest to them will experience the most profound disappointment when those relationships do not meet expectations. In such situations, their patience will be lost, temptation will grip their hearts, and their tongues will unfurl and unleash unsavory words. It is at those moments when the gospel must govern their hearts. What they deserved and what they received are eternities apart. Christians have been saved from hell and bound for, bound for heaven. We must not forget how our destinies have been irrevocably determined. We may not experience all desires, all our desires on earth, but the saying is true. We are doing much better than we deserve. The gospel should humble our hearts and our mouths. First response should be gratitude. May I ask, how is your heart today? Will you ask the Spirit to reveal to you how you need to change as you reflect on this podcast? Will you ask the Spirit to give you the grace, the courage to make those changes that you need? If we can serve you, I am not saying you are the cause of another person's sin, but I am saying you are responsible for your own. How do you need to change? How can we help you? We would love to do that. I am Rick Thomas, and the title of this podcast is The Danger of Trying to Make Someone Change. Your Daily Drive is a production of rickthomas.net, a global community that is seeking to live more productive and inspiring lives. If you'd like to learn more about our community, please go to rickthomas.net, rickthomas.net.